regular Drews. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 19. We'll be talking about the final scene, number 38 of the Nancy Drew mystery files. Nancy Drew case files. Nancy Drew files. Nancy Drew files. There oh, my go. God. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so. And we hope you are, too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew. So the final scene. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the final scene. It truly is. It's the final scene. It's the final Nancy Drew file we will be covering it oh, is well, totally. you know, until we want to cover them again at any point in time. For the in the future. set of episodes, right? <laughs> um, and it's just—I mean—the final word in Nancy Drew Files. It just really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it so much, so much. I want to tell you my flashlight score right now, but I'm not going to. I'll hold my flashlight score for a surprise. Um, right, right. Um, but yeah, no, just truly, truly amazing. I can definitely see why they adapted a, a PC game out of this one because it is good, man. Mm-hmm. It's good. So good. It was um, published in 1989, which I feel like we have, I don't know, maybe it's just because we've read a lot of the numbers in the 30s that we've mm-hmm. read a lot of the ones that were published in 1989. I think The Suspect Next Door is either 37 or 39. I can't remember. So it's yeah. either the one right before or after this. Oh, well, it's after, I think, because I remember at the end, yeah, Nancy's next case where they do that little snippet at the end oh, okay. is, yeah, Suspect Next Door. And even in, in the copy that I have, they have like a couple chapters of the uh, River Heights, the first book of the River Heights series. Ooh, so, okay. Yes. So they yeah. were really pushing it around this time. So Yes, 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 they were. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. And the game, I believe, was released in 2001. Is that correct? Yeah, 2001, November 1st, 2001. Awesome. So, yeah, that game was obviously based on this book. A lot had to change, I think, in order to make it into a game. But I think mm. that the way that they did it honored the original book in, in a really good way. So, yeah, I was happy to, to read the book for the first time. Yeah, I definitely agree. I agree. They, obviously, the game has a much more limited scope mm-hmm. um but honestly all the same stuff was in there um mm-hmm. and so yeah it was really it was really solid i'm just always so surprised and i don't know if that's fair or not but at how good of adaptions the pc games are of these books mm-hmm. like because i i typically i played every single one that we've done i played after i've read it Instead of before, we, I mean, I have obviously played them before in the past, but I replay them after <laughs> I, I read the, the file that it's based off of. And it's just so, it's just so good. It's so mm-hmm. faithful and it's so, it's so creatively done, mm-hmm. like to see how they have changed things to make sense and to fit into a video game. It's just, it's right. just very clever and uh, very well done. So Props to you, Her Interactive from 2002, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> they were great games. Great games. And this was a great one to pick for a game as well, because we get the visual of, I mean, I mm-hmm. think that the book 
almost, I'm not going to say it lacks anything because it really is an incredible book, but if it lacks anything, it's that we can't see how gorgeous this theater is. Mm -hmm. And of course we get that in the game. We get to see this beautiful artwork that they incorporated into it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it just makes it so perfect. Mm -hmm. So so speaking of artwork, let's talk about the cover because we were just talking about the cover. (laughs) So the only critique, so the cover, the cover is probably the biggest critique that I have of this book. Oh yeah. Um, just because I feel like it is not representative of the story, like at all. No. So typically, and in in you know normal Nancy Drew file fashion, we have Nancy in the foreground, a couple characters in the midground, and then like a scene in the background. And so what they've right. done with this one is they put Nancy in the foreground. She's wearing. I mean, it's a, a fine outfit. It's a normal outfit, but she she takes up so much of the space on the cover mm-hmm. that it's almost like confusing as to why her outfit is so plain. Yeah. It's just a plain pink sweatshirt. It's just a plain khakis. Yeah. And it seems like if you're going to make her take up that much room, she needs to be either wearing something more visually interesting or something that's relevant to the story in some way, which there right. wasn't any serious outfit or something that was relevant to the story. So it just right. seems like we'll just make her a little bit smaller so there's that. But then also the people in the background, I'm assuming are George and Nicholas Falcone. I would guess that as well. Yep. Just because of the way George is kind of like cuddled up next to Snuggling, him. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the, the, that kind of plot point of George having a crush on Nicholas was such a small part of this book. And unnecessary. Might and I unnecessary. <laughs> like... If it was going to be anyone, which I I understand, I guess maybe the reasoning why they didn't pick Bess and Brady is because obviously Bess will kidnap. (laughs) She wasn't really in it for most of it. But the the like point of the book was that Bess is obsessed with Brady. Right. Right. Or they could have picked Joseph or they could have picked literally any other character or any other situation. Simon and Deirdre, yeah. Right, yeah. Or Brady and Deirdre or something like that. Oh, that would um, be good. Yeah. Like the movie stars behind her. Right. But no, we get George and like Nicholas not Falcon. even worried about her cousin just flirting with Nicholas Falcone. <laughs> weird, weird, very weird. And then in the background, the what is supposed to be, I guess, the Royal Palladium is does not look like an old theater to me at all. No, it looks like the 80s. Yeah. It looks like it was built in the 80s, and it's supposed to be like an art deco yeah, historic building, right? Right. I mean, I don't know if they said the decade that it was built. No, they didn't. But because, I mean, the whole book is about how it's similar to the PC game. If you played the PC game, it's about how they're trying the, there's a group of people trying to save this theater from being torn down um, they're trying to building. right they're trying to like get the theater on the books as a historic building so that it will be prevented from being uh, demoed in the future um, and so yeah you would think the building does have some historical significance and when you look at the <laughs> picture of the building on the cover it's like that's what is that a strip mall like what yeah <laughs> you know yeah so you know Meh yeah. for the cover. The cover is not representative of the juiciness that's on the inside, though. Oh. Um, because it is quite good. Oh, quite yes. good. Oh, yes. Do we want to do our three words? Sure. Kidnapping. Yeah. Ooh, crushes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, crushes is good. Like, uh, like love crush and then, like, 
physical crushing of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, kidnapping crushes and it's the Royal Palladium. I mean, it's just yeah. a historic building. Mm-hmm. History. History. There we go. History. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kidnapping crushes and history. Oh, oh, that sounds so good. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Let's get into what our you, summary then. Well, I was just going to ask you, you know, what overall did you think, Corey? Oh, I loved it. Um, I mentioned this in our last episode briefly, but the final scene was my first ever Nancy Drew game. So it it was so nice getting to read this one for the first time. Oh, full circle, full circle, full circle, full circle mm-hmm. for me. So I, it will always hold a special place in my heart. Rightly so. Rightly so. Rightly so. So yes, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so chapter one, we start off and um, all the girls, Nancy, Bess, and George, are approaching the River Heights Century Cinema mm-hmm. to try to meet Brady Armstrong, who apparently is a River Heights High School alum. Yes, they say that he was a senior when they were freshmen. Crazy. Went on to get this career, and Bess has been in love with him this whole time, apparently. Yeah, so she, so he's doing this. Uh, he's going to be at this premiere for a movie called Night of the Venus Moon. <laughs> he plays a space knight yes! <laughs> named uh, Jonathan Ryder. Ryder oh with a Y. God. Have you ever heard of anything so 80s in your life? Oh, I know. Um, Peak sci-fi. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so Bess wants to go to try to see if he, one, because she has a massive crush on him. Two, she wants to see if he remembers her. Right. (laughs) As a freshman when he was a senior. So sweet. So they're walking up to the theater um, and all these screaming fans are outside. And Nancy's like, oh, shoot. You know, like someone else had your idea, Bess. A lot of people had the same idea that you did. And Bess is like, oh, no, like we're never going to get in to see him. But Nancy very mischievously is like, don't worry, Bess. I'll find a way to get us in. I'll use my like detective skills, wink, wink, to get us, sneak us into this building. Can you believe that's that is so scandalous to me that she Nancy would. would flout the rules in this way. At this moment, a bunch of news vans roll up to, I guess, get get footage of this premiere, and also a bunch of protesters arrive with signs protesting this event. So Nancy uses this as kind of her cover to to get the three of them to sneak away unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they walk around the side of the building, and unfortunately, there is a security guard in front of the side building. They walk around to the back of the building, and the back door of the theater is locked. They're like, dang, I guess there there was probably no way in. But then we learn that Bess has actually was an usher at this theater uh, a couple years ago, and so mm-hmm. she knows all the secret ways into this theater, and there happens to be, like, I guess some kind of tunnel access through the parking lot. There's just a rusty door on the <laughs> ground outside. It's wild. Um, I don't know what possible use this tunnel could have had back in the day. I don't understand the purpose of it, but whatever. It's there. <laughs> and so they're able to get in that way. Yeah, they end up in the theater's basement and are kind of backstage, I guess. So go upstairs to find the dressing rooms where they think that Brady's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bess goes into the dressing room and Nancy and George go to wait for her to give her some privacy with Brady. <laughs> 
sorry, sorry. Well, because there's no one there. They knock right. on the oh, door right, and there's right. no answer, but then they hear Brady and then like a bunch of like, I guess his people around him coming down the hallway and Bess mm-hmm. is, they like panic. They're like, oh, we got to go. So Bess just jumps into the dressing room and Nancy and George go off to the women's dressing room instead. So funny. So yeah, so George and Nancy are just sitting in there talking while they're waiting, I guess, for Bess to have her time with Brady or whatever. And they're like, I can't believe she just went in there. She's so brave. Like, I can't believe, like, it's such a brave move for Bess. Mm-hmm. And then they start talking, too, about the protest outside. Like, what do they think it's about? And Nancy says that she saw Nicholas Falcone out amongst the protesters. And she knows that he leads campaigns to save old buildings. So she assumes that he's here to try to save this building from demolition. Because she also knows that after the premiere, Bart Anderson is going to tear down the old theater. And Bart Anderson is the guy that owns the place. Right. Right. Um, and so Brady's, yeah, Brady, this last big event, Brady's premiere is the last event that's going to happen at this theater. And for some reason, he's tearing down the theater so that he can build a new movie theater, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But then they hear Brady scream mm-hmm. down the hall. Help! Get the police, he says. Mm-hmm. He says that there was a maniac in a ski mask who tried to attack him and he had Bess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brady goes to open the door and this guy in a ski mask, I guess, grabs him by the throat or something. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't see a lot, but like he sees that Bess is tied up, bound and gagged over on the right. sofa. Mm-hmm. And so he like freaks out and backs out of the room and screams for help. Mm-hmm. It's a normal reaction. But he's very insecure about it later. So I bring that up. But it was a normal. That was a normal reaction to have. Right. Nancy, of course, runs in right away. Right. And the dressing room is empty. There's no best, no masked person, nothing. And so she comes out and starts to talk to Brady. And Brady recognizes Nancy. Yeah. He's like, of course I remember you and Bess from high school. Why oh, wouldn't I? My God. <laughs> so funny but anyway so she's talking to brady and then brady is like i'm sorry you know like i just didn't think i wish i could have helped best but i you know i just reacted i i'm sorry and then at this moment three other people and also an entire crew of people come into the hallway i guess because they heard this scream and it is um deirdre mccullough who is the co-star of brady in this film joseph hughes who works at the theater and then a man in a speaker Right. Um, And then a man in a sport coat who they don't know. And so Brady explains to them and everybody what happened. And Nancy tells Joseph, who they know because we're in River Heights, the theater is in River Heights. And I guess this is a common hangout spot for Nancy and her friends. Um, And so they just know Joseph. So she explains to Joseph that Bess is missing. We also learned that that man who's in the sport coat's name is Simon Mueller, and that's Brady and uh, Deirdre's manager. Mm-hmm. Simon is extremely rude, talks down to Brady like he's a child, essentially, and essentially wants to make the whole thing about his movie. Why are we taking the focus off of my stars? Who cares about this kidnapped girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Brady says basically what led up to this kidnapping they had just been outside they were coming into the building with local politicians and quote-unquote dignitaries what who is that i don't even know 
Um, but they're leading everybody inside. Brady says he has to go change for the premiere. And so Deirdre shows everyone to their seats. And so Brady is heading back to the dressing room. And then he opens the door and the whole debacle happens. So he says that he opened the door. And when he opened the door, the lights were off. So he turned them on and he saw Bess sitting on the sofa bound and gagged. Um, and a man in a ski mask attacked him. And Nancy says, are you sure it was a man? Woo! Uh, yeah, Nancy. Thank uh, you, Nancy. We appreciate our gender equality. Um, and, you know, just the assumption that someone in a ski mask is a man is a huge assumption. Um, mm-hmm. So way to go, Nancy, for challenging Brady. Um, and he says, actually, that he doesn't know. He's unsure. Uh, but he assumes it was. <laughs> And then Joseph shows them that there's actually a secret passageway in the back of the closet in there. And that is likely how the kidnappers got out of the room with Bess. Um, Mm -hmm. It leads to the ladies' dressing room. And so obviously, George and Nancy are like, well, we were just in there. It must be that, like, the kidnapper was waiting in the tunnel with Bess until we left to leave. Mm -hmm. And then when we all all came over here and were talking, they must have snuck out. So they they could still be in the building. And so we need to, like, execute a search very, very quickly so that we can try to find Bess. Joseph does also say that the tunnels were originally built so that they could have, like, yes. like romantic rendezvous yes. in the, the hallways behind the stage. Which, fun fact, originally did get written into the game, but was cut. That is cool. Yeah, probably too scandalous for what a young girl would be playing. But so mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Possibly just irrelevant as well, because it doesn't really make any difference to the mystery itself. True, 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 true. Yeah. Anyway, so at this point, Simon, their manager, is like super, well, he was rude before, but now he's rude again. (laughs) Um, And just like unconcerned about the possibility, you know, that Bess is missing. I mean, he makes like snarky comments to Nancy about how it's like, well, she's definitely still in the building. Like there's a big commotion outside, building surrounded by police. It doesn't make any sense for Bess to have been moved from this theater yet. And Nancy is like, well, as awful as you are, it's kind of a good point. <laughs> um, and so she decides that she needs to go call the police in Joseph's office. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, also, you know, is kind of a turn from what we would normally expect in a Nancy right. Drew file. She, like, pretty much immediately contacts authorities, which is atypical. Like, normally she would just try to solve it herself. But I'm sure that it has to do with the fact that, like, this is best that's missing, you know, right. it's not just some stranger. Um, and so Nancy is very frantic and, you know, taking it as seriously as possible, which also just goes to show you too, though, that like, Nancy, did you not try as hard as you could to help solve other people's <laughs> mysteries? <laughs> Sounds like it. Maybe she's just like a little panicked because sure. I mean, it's more personal for her. So she's going to be in a different mindset than she is of like, okay, let's go find this missing girl. It's like, oh my gosh, we have to find my friend right now. You know? I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely the right decision to make, especially considering how imminent all of this is like this just happened. Like Bess Mm. is still, could still be in the building. Like this is very dangerous and it's a kidnapping, you know, it's not like, weird threats have been showing up to the office or something. But right. so, yeah, I, I think it's appropriate. I just find it interesting to note that this happens right away in an Nancy Drew file. So. So she does, she goes and calls the police and then 
I think it's during intermission, actually, which it's strange for a movie to have an intermission, but whatever. Um, she overhears Simon on the phone when then they're, I think, leaving Joseph's office or he's in the lobby or something, mm-hmm. essentially using this kidnapping for publicity, trying to get more news people out to come see this premiere because of this kidnapping, which is extremely slimy. Mm-hmm. He also books a couple of hotel rooms for Brady and Deirdre um, because he wants them to stick around in the area so that Brady can basically play the hero to right. try to help find Bess and save the day uh, for good press for him. Um, so Nancy, so Nancy calls the police, but she calls specifically Detective Ryan. Detective who Ryan apparently is like a close personal friend or something. And I just thought it was such an interesting choice to choose Detective Ryan over Chief McGinnis. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's like no Chief McGinnis in this story. The only police contact that we have is Detective Ryan. Right. We do get some other good guest stars later, so stay tuned. <laughs> That's true. We do. <laughs> um, so yeah, then Nancy goes into the lobby and Nicholas bursts in um, and he says, Joseph told him about the kidnapping. Is it true? Um, and Nancy's like, yes. And then he, Nicholas says, oh, great. Awesome. Um, hmm. There's no way they'll, you know, demo the building now that there's possibly a missing girl. And Nancy's like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And so Nicholas talks a little bit more. He says that his great grandfather helped build this theater. Um, and so that, like, that's why he cares so much about trying to preserve the history of this theater was because his mm-hmm. great grandfather was involved in building it. And his grandfather did all the plaster work. Yep. Yes. All the like designs for the theater. And it's at this moment as Nicholas and Nancy are talking that Joseph runs up um, and he says that he got a call from the kidnapper on the phone in the projection room. Um, and he said that the kidnapper said that Bess is safe, but if you let them tear down the Royal Palladium, I guarantee you'll never see her again. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And so they talk a little bit about that. I think is it Nicholas or someone says that the Royal Palladium is not what the movie house is currently known as. And so it's a weird thing for the kidnapper to have said. Right. He does clarify that that did used to be the name before they changed it to Century right. Cinema or whatever. Right. Joseph also says that the voice was muffled on the phone. and He couldn't really identify if it was a male voice or a female voice or old or young or anything like that. And then also it's at this moment that the police show up um, and burst in and they're able to start organizing a search to look for Bess. At this point, Nick also does, or I don't know if Nick or Nicholas. Mm. They call him Nicholas the entire thing, but for some reason in my mind, he's just Nick. Uh, <laughs> but he says that um, he needs to go check on his grandfather because he's been calling him and he was supposed to come meet him at the theater, but he's not answering the phone. Um, and Detective Ryan is like, nobody goes anywhere. We're, you know, we're putting this building on lockdown, but I'll have this officer escort you to your grandfather's house. Go check on him and then come back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at this moment, too, that Nancy is like, oh, hmm, uh, Nicholas has a massive motive for potentially being the one to have kidnapped Bess. He wants mm-hmm. to save this theater. Now he, like, sketchily needs to, like, leave the theater. Right, Very odd. Is going on, right? Right. So Nancy just uh, notes upon that. But then, so it's hours later, they've done a search. There's still no sign of Bess. Um, Nicholas shows back up at some point and his grandfather was fine, but mm-hmm. just didn't hear the phone ringing for some reason because he was like out 
outside working. Yeah. <laughs> but they're in the lobby um, and Bart Anderson storms in and he is basically pointing the finger at Nicholas like, I can't believe, you know, I know this this is you. You're just trying to delay this demolition. And Nicholas mm-hmm. is like, no, 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 no way. No one from my committee would do something like this. But it's just to note that Nicholas and Bart have this very strong animosity towards each other right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Bart says, I don't care if you deny it. This theater is coming down on schedule one month from today. Either way, whether this girl is in the building or not, whether we found her or not. Yeah. Nancy is obviously very frustrated by this because like, does no one here care about human life? seems like and my friend's life um but so she and george decide to do one more search because they have to you know Bess is missing what are they going to do give up um right. so they go back and they search the women's dressing room once more and they find a black ski mask with red trim like tucked into the couch or something and this is really strange it's confusing because they had searched here already and nancy is really confused as to how they could have missed this mask earlier um and so it seems as though someone must have planted it in this dressing room afterwards to make them think that bess is still here in this building so george and nancy go to the lobby and (laughs) my gosh nicholas runs in again i guess he does that a lot he just runs in And he says, um, so Bart Anderson is so mad that he moved up the demolition to three days from now. Which, like, logistically, I don't even know how How easy that would be. Because you have to get the city involved. There's permits. There's contractors that have to be scheduled. Mm -hmm. How do you just do this on a whim because you're mad at Nick Falcone? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel very realistic, but... Definitely Obviously, not. it ups the pressure on Nancy a lot. <laughs> 100%. And also, I mean, like, just, like, what an evil guy. Like, right. how freaking heartless do you have to be to be like, I'm mad at this one group who's trying to stop me from demolishing the building that I own. So I'm going to flex my power. And while this girl is missing and her family is traumatized and her friends are traumatized, I'm going to put the pressure on even more and move up the demolition to 72 hours from now. Oh, the real villain, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, like what an asshole. Like <sighs> you have go- you you have got to be the worst person in the world <laughs> to do that. But yeah, Nancy and George decide that there's nothing else that they can do that night, so they're going to go home, get some sleep and be back first thing in the morning. So um, the next day, it's been, you know, 24 hours officially since Bess has been kidnapped. Still no news, no sign of Bess. Nancy is obviously getting really frustrated at this point because, you know, she has no leads. And Bart Anderson has moved this demolition up. And Nancy says that she knows that Bess is still in this building. And she basically, like, refuses to leave until they call off the demolition. But they have to find proof somehow that the demolition needs to be called off. So Nancy confronts Bart Anderson and she says that, or he says he doesn't care about Bess's life and he is more concerned about the complex that he is going to build on this spot, Um, which again, you know, just reinforces how terrible this guy is. Um, And, but, and so Nancy talks to detective, um, what's his name? I wrote detective Anderson, but it's not that. Okay. Detective Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) 
<laughs> Detective Ryan is sympathetic to uh, Nancy's play, but he says that there's no proof that Bess is in the building. It's unlikely that a kidnapper would keep her in the place where he kidnapped her from. So there's really nothing that he can do. You know, Bart Anderson owns this building. Like, without proof, he can't, his hands are tied. So um, later, uh, Nancy and George are at the Drew home. They are talking with Carson, who is in this book. Mm-hmm. Yes, finally. I love my Carson moments. And there are some good ones in this book. I really appreciate it. So they're talking to Carson. Apparently, they can't reach Bess's parents because they're touring Africa at this As time. As you do. As you do. Um, <laughs> interesting. What? Okay. And so uh, Nancy starts to run down her suspect list with Carson. So we've got Nicholas Falcone is a suspect for her. Obviously, Simon Mueller, Brady and Deirdre's agent, is a big suspect. And, of course, Bart Anderson because of his insistence to move up this demolition. Then suddenly, while they're talking, doorbell rings. So weird. Uh, So Nancy Mm. goes to open it. And someone, it's some delivery guy with a funeral wreath. That he delivers to Nancy. He says, oh, no, I don't know who it's from. Someone just slipped some money under the door and said to deliver a funeral wreath to a Nancy Drew. Oh, did it have a card? My God. It did. And it said, "Um, I don't want to hurt the girl, but if the Royal Palladium dies, she will be killed, too. Yes. Yes. Can I just say, this is freaking dark. This is dark. Dark. I know this happens in the game, too, but there is something so much more sinister about reading this part than there was Mm -hmm. playing this part for me. Uh, The effort it takes to send this thing to basically taunt Nancy when obviously Mm -hmm. they're already frantic trying to find Bess is truly sick, like truly depraved. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's just very affecting to read it and to think about what you must feel when someone buys you flowers to commemorate your missing friend who's not dead yet, but is going to be dead. Like, that's <laughs> awful. It's so, it's, oh, there's a lot of dark things in this. And the, yeah. the game tries to make it a little less sinister. And I think that the way that they do it ends up being a little, I don't know, problematic maybe, but mm. we'll, we'll get there. We'll definitely yeah. get there. So Nancy and George return to the theater. Um, They meet Joseph in the lobby. He's polishing the railing (laughs) to a building that is going to be demolished soon. Um, And he tells them that he found something last night while he was vacuuming in the ladies' dressing room. And he shows them, he pulls out, it's a rhinestone earring that Bess had been wearing. So (laughs) I know, very sad. But Nancy is like, okay, yes, this is it. This is the proof that we need that Bess is still in the building. So she calls Detective Ryan, and Detective Ryan says, sorry, um, it's not proof that Bess is in the building right now. It's just proof that she was in the building earlier. Which, like, logically, I understand. I understand it. But my question here is, (laughs) what kind of proof is are they going to have to get? Right. Aside from, like, one of them like seeing Bess or I don't know, like what kind of proof can you prove if it's not an object? Unless the kidnapper is like, she's in the building. Which also isn't proof. Right. Right. How do you, yeah. Mm. It's not like they can 
prove these phone calls after they happen either. So. Right. Right. So I just think that's interesting. But anyway, but um, Detective Ryan says that he's going to leave some police officers at the theater to keep searching for Bess. So, like, he hasn't given up on Nancy's idea or whatever. He just can't really do anything about it. Right. But it's at this point where Nancy's like, right, okay, we are really short on time. We now need to get really serious about our suspects. We need to drill down on them. Um, Mm -hmm. So she tasks George to kind of ask around about Nicholas. um, And she decides to focus in on Simon Mueller. So uh, George goes to talk to some of the picketers about Nicholas. And Nancy goes to track down Brady to talk to him about Simon. Um, She follows the screams of the fans, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, to find him and finds him sitting in like the theater auditorium. Um, he says that he came to the theater early because he couldn't sleep because he was so worried thinking about Bess being missing. Aww. And he feels responsible for it because he was the last one to have seen her. What a nice departure from the game, though. He actually mm-hmm. cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not a massive asshole um, yeah. as he is in the game. Um, so Simon or Nancy starts to ask him about Simon. And immediately we get like this switch from being like this sweet, sensitive guy to being very defensive. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to talk about Simon, won't say anything bad about him. It's basically like, no, no, no. Simon gave me, you know, my start in Hollywood. He's a great manager. Right. I'm not going to say anything bad about him is what Mm -hmm. he says. But he doesn't say he's a great guy. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) But at this exact moment, we see the curtain in the auditorium start to wave a little bit. Like there's someone behind there or someone moving back behind the stage. So someone is eavesdropping on our little conversation here. Mm-hmm. So Nancy quietly sneaks onto the stage. I think oh, at this point, Brady has left. She like, he leaves and Nancy qu- sneaks quietly onto the stage and pulls the curtain aside, steps back there. She doesn't see anyone because it's really dark, but, she feels like someone is watching her from the shadows. Mm. It's a very creepy, very creepy. But you know, what is she going to do? Is she, (laughs) if someone is back there. And so she turns to leave. Um, And as she goes to leave, a stage light cracks off, falls to the ground. And Nancy dives out of the way and she covers her head and she doesn't get hit by the stage light, but she is, showered in little pieces of glass from the stage light. Yikes. Awful. (laughs) Jinx. (laughs) Close call. Mm. Um, And just then, a distorted voice comes over the PA system and gives another warning to Nancy, telling her that she needs to stop searching for Maya. She needs to work on getting the building saved. You said Maya. I did, and I wrote (laughs) Maya in my notes, didn't I? Wow. That's hilarious. She needs to stop searching for Bess and start focusing on getting the theater declared a landmark or stopping the demolition in some way. Yeah. But, <laughs> but because this message has come over the PA, Nancy knows that the kidnapper is in the projection room. In the projection room above the auditorium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's a mean girl's quote. So she races, you know, through the auditorium, into the lobby, up the stairs, yanks open the door of the projection room, and it's empty. So 15 minutes later, I don't know why specifically they noted that it was 15 minutes later, 
but it's 15 minutes later. That it's, yeah. <laughs> and um, Nancy has decided that she is going to go to the hotel where Simon um, and Brady and Deirdre are all staying because she is determined to get answers from Simon at this point. So she goes to the hotel. She calls up to his room. There's no answer. And so it's kind of like, hmm, okay, could he have been at the theater just now? Could he have been right. the one that was in the projection room? Did he Was he the one who dropped the stage light on me or whatever? But, so she can't find Simon, but Deirdre, she sees, is in a booth at the hotel restaurant. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Nancy decides to take advantage of that and goes in to talk to her. Deirdre says, she asked if she's seen Simon that morning, and Deirdre says she hasn't. She hasn't seen Simon or Brady since breakfast, actually. She says that they had had a slight disagreement at breakfast, um, which apparently happens like semi-regularly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have a particularly smooth working relationship, it seems like. Simon is always pushing Brady to like do publicity things that he doesn't really want to do. Deirdre says that he is actually not someone who craves the spotlight too much. He like hates the attention, apparently. Mm -hmm. But also she says that fans like follow him and try to grab him and rip his clothes, which is like, yeah, who would want to do that? Nobody. That's disgusting behavior. Mm -hmm. But so this morning, Simon had asked Brady to ride around in the limo and like search for Bess um, Mm -hmm. as like this publicity stunt or whatever. And he didn't want to do it. Because he said that actually uh, Brady wanted to go back to the theater to look for Bess more at the theater, apparently, and for, quote unquote, old time's sake. Right. Weird. He has some memories of this theater for some reason. So that's significant. Yeah. So Nancy asked Deirdre, like, what what do you mean old time's sake? And Deirdre gets really squirrely and like, won't won't say and says oh i gotta go i have a hair appointment that i have to get to for a publicity date that i have to go on with brady tonight which is also weird yeah she does also mention that simon has called a press conference for later that afternoon and i guess she's going to ask her something about that but then george calls and says come back right now bess is still in the theater Mm mm-hmm so Nancy rushes over to the theater, runs up to Joseph's office, and George and Joseph are both in there. And apparently they found proof that Bess was still in the theater. They had been looking below the stage um, and heard this like tapping noise and crying. So there's apparently a secret door that goes into the orchestra pit. So they went into there um, and they show Nancy all of this also. So they walk down there as well. And apparently there are like warm-up rooms off of the orchestra pit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And George had checked them last night and they were all empty. But they checked them again today um, and they found a like rumpled palette in one of them. A Bess's purse and shoe and a pizza box. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Faded pizza box. Um, Nancy kneels down and feels the palette. And the palette is still warm. So mm-hmm. Bess was just here and they mm-hmm. heard her like crying and tapping to try to get attention. Insane. Can we talk about what George says here? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I made a note to talk about this. I'm so mad about this. George cracks a joke 
um, about Bess's pizza consumption because there's a pizza box on the floor that has a few pieces of pizza left in it. And she says, I can't believe there's still pieces of pizza left in the box. It's like mushroom and pepperoni or something. Bess would never leave pieces of pizza in a pizza box. George, what the hell? You're- something must be wrong with Bess if she doesn't finish a whole pizza by herself. Your cousin is missing, George. What the What is hell? wrong with you? They try to play it off like, oh, you know, you could tell that George was really hurting inside when she said it because she was like strained when she, the way she said it was like not like it wasn't delivered. It, yeah. it was delivered in a certain tone or something. But like, come on. I guess George's coping me- mechanism is humor, but bad humor. Bad humor. Bad jokes. Bad jokes, George. Mean jokes as well. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't say that to... Well, she would say it to Bess's face. Yeah, she, she would. not say it to Bess's face, especially oh. in her absent when she's missing and could be dead for all they know oh. by this point. Oh, my gosh. It's it's truly... It's truly bananas. And I just... It's just so upsetting because we talked about this before, too, because it's like, I want better for George. Right. Like, I I feel like we only ever get to see these bad jokes these, and these like George tearing Beth down. Mm. And it just feels like I don't want to not like George Fane. I feel like there has to be some redeeming qualities and we just don't get them. And I don't know, is that because she doesn't have them or they don't give her any? What is that about? <laughs> There's not much for us to work with here. Oh. I want to like her, but yeah. Anyway. So Nancy rushes to call Detective Brian. And so the police organize another search. They search again and still no Bess. Mm-hmm. So Nancy thinks that the kidnapper must be basically like constantly moving her around to avoid being found in these searches. Nancy apparently also called Nicholas, Simon, Brady, and Deirdre when she went to go call the police. And none of them answered their phones. Which... I- I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is not proof that any of them like uh, were present. Were just there, right? Um, they're busy people. Like you knew that Brady and Deirdre were going to be were getting ready for this thing anyway. Like I feel like this is kind of a moot thing. I guess she was potentially trying to eliminate suspects, but like, still, yeah, would yeah. that have really eliminated suspects? I don't think so. Anyway, probably not. No. But George does also make a comment here. She says that she doesn't think that Simon knows this theater well enough to be moving Bess around within the theater like like she's being moved around right now. But Brady might know the theater well enough because she talked to Joseph earlier and he said that Brady used to do community theater productions at the theater when he was in middle school. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Brady. That's something precious. you're not telling us here. It is precious, but also <laughs> should have been like the first information he offered yeah. up. Yeah, true. Uh, but whatever. And so, yeah, while George and Nancy are talking, um, they're talking in the auditorium and mm-hmm. Nancy sees again out of the corner of her eye, the stage curtain just rustle a little bit. So she knows someone is listening to them again. Mm-hmm. And so she quietly communicates this to George um, and so she and George like feign this conversation like, oh, oh, yawn, oh, so sleepy. Like, let's <laughs> let's go home and come back mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, and so they they 
quietly you're they make a lot of noise leaving the theater but then they mm -hmm. quietly sneak back in and sneak back behind the stage behind the curtain where they see a dark figure like sneaking around back there and so they follow the dark figure backstage he or she climbs the catwalk thank you yes <laughs> <laughs> and george goes after him up on this catwalk and nancy waits down at the other side to make sure he can't come down the other side of the catwalk george is brave i'll give her that oh yeah yeah very brave to go <laughs> on a catwalk in a dark chasing a kidnapper very brave. right um so the kidnapper stops like halfway through on this catwalk and then like bends down to like mess with something nancy is like staring at them trying to figure out like what is it is that they're doing finally she realizes he or she <laughs> they are trying to disconnect this section of the catwalk or something and so she mm. says george like get down hurry kidnapper knew that we were following them and is now trying to harm us harm yeah. you but it's too late and the catwalk under george suddenly starts trembling um, and starts falling to the ground and the shadowy figure gets away mm -hmm. George is hanging on to the catwalk by one hand. So scary. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily at this exact moment, Nicholas and Joseph run into the room and are like, what's going on? You know, we heard a crash and a scream. And they see George dangling 40 feet above the ground. And so Nicholas is able to monkey bar over to her somehow I, I don't really understand how he <laughs> accomplishes this um and, but he does so he monkey bars over to her and like helps her adjust her grip so that she can do the same thing back to the ground because i guess right. the catwalk is like dangling at a slope yeah. and so i i don't know but it, it works um and they both make it to the ground safely and george <laughs> There oh, is suddenly a look of, of gratitude and adoration on George's face as she looks at Nicholas. And you can tell that she is like totally crushing hard on him now. Mm -hmm. And so. Nancy's like, oh gosh, I gotta play this cool now. Yeah. And, but Nancy is still suspicious because Nicholas is the right height and weight of the dark shadow that they saw. And Nicholas is wearing dark clothing. Yeah. Interesting. So Nancy makes a little note of that and files it away. Yes. In the files. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so later at the press conference at the hotel, Simon is up announcing this reward for Bess's safe return to everyone, which is seemingly a good thing to do but you can tell it's just an opportunity for him to get brady in front of people of the press and you know make him seem like this hero who's been diligently searching for Bess, who was kidnapped from his own dressing room but then who shows up brenda carlton <laughs> brenda's here i 
love Brenda Carlton. Brenda Carlton, of course, being an established news reporter in River Heights, would of course be at a press conference like this. Um, so Nancy um, decides to go over and say hi uh, because she thinks Brenda might have some juicy information to share. And she does not disappoint. Thank no. you, Brenda. She says that the press conference started late uh, because Brady and Simon actually only got back a couple minutes ago, meaning that they could have very easily just been at the theater um, to be the dark shadowy figure on the catwalk. Right. They were like over an hour late to their own press conference. Right. Um, and Brenda also asked Nancy, like, hey, what do you think about this kidnapping Michigas or whatever? And Nancy is like, hmm, what do you mean? You you don't you don't believe it? Like, you don't believe that it's real? Um, and Brenda says that Simon has been very close to, quote unquote, other kidnappings. Brady is apparently the third client that this has happened to. And so, no, she doesn't believe it. She thinks that this is a publicity stunt mm -hmm. from Simon. Um, Brenda leaves and Nancy and George decide to follow Brady and Deirdre to the hotel restaurant mm -hmm. to ask where Brady and Simon were before the press conference. But as they approach them, they overhear Deirdre telling Brady, if you don't tell Nancy, I will. That girl's life could depend on it. Deirdre. Yeah. So Nancy steps forward and she's like, uh, excuse me, tell me what? <laughs> and like Brady doesn't want Deirdre to say whatever it is she's about to say. Um, mm -hmm. He's like trying to like keep her quiet. But it's at that moment that Simon comes over and is like, hey, you two, you ready to go on your date? And Deirdre like clams up and like runs off in tears, basically. And then there's like this argument between Brady and Simon. Brady's like, she's just stressed out because all this publicity stuff, like we don't want to go on this stupid date. Yeah. Um, and Brady and Simon kind of go off on each other. Simon even tells Brady that he shouldn't be worrying about any of this stuff because it doesn't involve him. So why does he care about Bess so much? Maybe because you made him involved, Simon. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what an ass. He's supposed well, to be the hero that's offering all this cash for Bess's safe return, but he's not involved, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Anyway, so Deirdre clearly has something that she wants to tell Nancy, and so Nancy asks George to stick around at the hotel in case she decides to open up and okay. to be available in case she wants to do that. But so Nancy decides to go back to the theater, um, and when she goes, she notices that Nicholas is not with the picketers. So she decides to go inside and call his grandfather. Uh, when she gets into the office, Joseph is there. And so she starts talking to Joseph a little bit. But the phone rings and it's Deirdre. And she says like, hey, Nancy, like I really want to talk to you, but no one can see us together because I don't want anyone to know that we, that I'm, going to tell you this thing that I need to tell you. Right. Can you meet me really sneakily in the auditorium? Nancy's like, yes, absolutely. Right. <laughs> I will be there. And so she tries to say, okay, I'm going to just go search the building one more time. But Joseph like won't let her. He's like, well, okay, I'll come with you. But Nancy obviously wants to talk to Deirdre alone. And so she tries to like brush him off, but he is not easily brushed off and and she says, okay, well, if you're going to search the theater again anyway, I'm just going to go home and go to bed. And he's like, yes, great. You know, go get some Perfect. sleep. 
or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy again fakes leaving the theater and sneaks back in. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. But she does go meet up with Deirdre. Yes. So I I wrote it down. So Deirdre tells Nancy that she overheard Brady refusing to do some publicity stunt for Simon when they first arrived. Deirdre thinks that what she overheard him refusing to do was this kidnapping attempt Mm -hmm. Um, because normally Brady wouldn't be so like adamantly against it, which Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't really understand because we've seen him be adamantly against some other things that Simon asked him to do, but he was really, he was really adamant about it. And so she thinks Mm -hmm. that this was this kidnapping attempt Um, and Brady won't, but Brady won't say what it was that, he refused to do because he doesn't want Simon to drop him as a client. But Deirdre leaves. And it's at this point that Nancy hears a creaking sound that suddenly gets louder and louder and louder and sounds like metal screeching against metal. And so Nancy goes to investigate this. Okay. I have to like read this because it is, I think it's one of the most intense points in the book and so i just i just want to read it so yes please nancy goes to investigate the sound it's like up on the stage and abruptly the sound stopped nancy stood quietly waiting straining her ears but only thick silence greeted her a flash of silver above her made her flick her eyes up just in time to see a heavy object come falling from the ceiling a movie screen hit her then striking her on the head nancy fell to the floor As she lay there, she felt a suffocating darkness close in. She tried to move, but her legs were pinned under the screen. She tried to scream, but she couldn't make a sound come out of her throat. It was a nightmare. Then the darkness became a black void that swallowed her, and she slipped into unconsciousness. Nancy! Never before has there been such a description of an accident or, like, some kind of, like, physical thing that happens yeah. to Nancy so I just I just had to read it because it is intense it's a great it's a great it's a great description there I love it but it's intense mm-hmm. so Nancy's unconscious and yeah. that's the end of the chapter when she comes to Corey where is she she's in the ICU she's in the hospital can we get some kind of fanfare or or an applause for nancy finally getting medical attention oh my gosh (laughs) wait what but not for long yeah not for long yeah we'll get there we'll get there (laughs) but also it wasn't obviously it wasn't nancy who got herself to the icu it was someone else who called Right. Yeah. Deirdre had not yet left the auditorium or she was still in earshot to hear this crash happen and and rushed back and found Nancy and called the ambulance for her. Yeah. Um, So Nancy's in the hospital and she's with Carson and George who are talking to her, tell her all this stuff and whatever. And And Nancy explains what she and Deirdre were talking about in the auditorium. And George is like, okay, great. What Deirdre said is proof that Simon is the one who is behind all of this. And right. Nancy is like, I mean, he's a strong suspect, yes. But still, I think Nicholas is maybe the one who's behind it all, too. You know, he knows the theater. He has, like, this strong connection with his family or whatever. And then it's from at that exact moment that there's a voice in the doorway that's like, wow. I can't believe you think that I would do something like that. 
and it's Nicholas and he is standing in the doorway and he overheard everything that Nancy said about him. He had brought a box of candy for her yeah. and he was like, I came to say that I hope you recover quickly, but like, it's nice to know that you think so little of me. And he like mm. throws the candy on her hospital bed and like storms out. Awkward. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, you have to consider all the suspects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Anyway. Um, <sighs> Nancy decides to check herself out of the hospital against yep. her doctor's uh, wishes because she, uh, okay, to be fair, I get it. Her best friend is missing. We have a deadline here. We have a serious deadline. I get it. Um, but very classic Nancy Drew to just completely ignore her own <laughs> injuries to solve a mystery. Single-minded Nancy to the end, you know? Right. But there are only seven hours left until the demolition. So right. we do have to move fast here. I don't understand this part, though, because she checks herself out and she goes home to be tucked into bed by Hannah. Yes. Yes. She goes home. Hannah's like, I'm going to make you some soup. And then as soon as she leaves the room to go make the soup, Nancy leaves. (laughs) Well, kind of. Okay. The phone. So Nancy, my gosh, this is so strange. One, because I don't understand. She goes home with the expectation that Hannah is going to like make her stay in bed all day. So why check yourself out of the hospital and go home if you need to investigate this situation or whatever, like go somewhere else. But anyway, she goes home and she also calls Carson and tells him that she checked herself out of the hospital. Carson gets like furious at her over the phone, which makes sense because he's her father and like cares about her physical well-being, whatever. But, you know, he is ultimately understanding because Nancy is like, you know, would you stay in the hospital if I was missing? And Carson's like, no, I would not. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um <laughs> But so then Nancy has like this realization that they, what they need to do is they need to go to city hall to find the theater blueprints to try to see if there are any hidden rooms in the theater they haven't searched yet. And I just don't understand as to how this wasn't the original plan to search everywhere, (laughs) but Really, the police would have at least thought. Right. If you're this. executing a search in an old building, rule number get one, blueprint. get the blueprint, right? I would think. Whatever. Whatever. But the phone rings. Hannah answers it downstairs and she calls up and says, hey, Nancy, the phone, there's a phone call for you. And so Nancy goes to pick up the phone and a raspy voice starts talking to Nancy. And Nancy knows that this is a kidnapper and I don't. I this is the biggest plot hole in the whole book. She gets George to go to the phone in the study and mm-hmm. quote unquote trace the phone call or have someone else trace this phone call. I have no idea how this worked. I think we're just supposed to know that George is our tech girl and she can do this kind of stuff. Okay. I <laughs> was very confused because I was like, are they having George call the police to Trace's that was phone unclear. call because how can you call the police if someone's on the phone right now? So, but it also like it says yeah. they like they trace the phone call. So I assumed it meant someone else other than George. And so yeah, I was like, who's Hannah would know who's doing this? <laughs> yeah, maybe the writer wasn't too um, clear familiar with how phone call tracing works and just know. left it intentionally vague so mm-hmm. that they didn't have to explain it. Also, like, I feel like it takes 
like a significant amount of time to do that. Like right. you've, I, I don't know. I just know what I see in TV shows, right? And it's always like, you need to keep them on the phone for this amount of time so that we can trace the call or whatever. Mm. And they're not on the phone for that long. These have no. like a couple sentences back and forth. And that's like, <laughs> but so the raspy voice says to Nancy that you haven't considered everyone. And um, there's someone else with a vested interest in the theater that you need to look into. This is weird. This is a it's weird very call. weird. The bad guy's like, you haven't found me yet. Yes, again. <laughs> That's so strange. So strange. So strange. Why would the kidnapper call and be like, you're not looking at the right people to find me? Surely they would that. want to throw suspicion off themselves by being like, hey, it's so-and-so. You should look into them, you know? They never explain this either, do they? No. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Um... Anyway, so after this phone call, George runs back into the room is like, we got him. The call came from inside the theater. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. And it's at this point that they go to City right. Hall to ask for the blueprints. Yeah, they sneak out of the house. They go to City Hall. And, of course, the blueprints are missing. They're not there uh apparently a man had come in a few days ago to make photocopies of the blueprint and he had just handed the envelope of the blueprints back to the clerk and the clerk didn't look in the envelope before filing it again but it was empty and it was empty yeah of course so, yeah no blueprints no blueprints. can't help you sorry um, the clerk also can't describe this person either all they say except that his hair was kind of gray and he was older so Nancy starts thinking, hmm, oh my God, who's, who's older and has a vested interest in this theater? I literally wanted to like, I smacked myself in the forehead with the palm of my hand and be like, Nancy, are you serious? Come on. But she says, I know who we haven't considered. Louis Falcone. Grandfather of Nicholas Falcone. Oh my God. Uh, Nancy. Artist from the original theater. Oh, so yeah. So they go straight to his house to question mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. So they talk to him and he agrees that like, I, yeah, I care a whole lot about the theater, but I didn't kidnap Bess. I understand why I'm a suspect, but like, sorry, I can't help you, basically. Yeah, he's very straightforward, very honest. Mm -hmm. But while they're there, they see a picture of Nicholas with Joseph and Lewis. And Nancy, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I, I guess just realizes that they are all friends and all um, like know each other. Right. But again, we don't have any proof that uh, Louis Falcone is involved in any way. So Nancy decides that they should go question Nicholas further. And so they decide to drive to his apartment. When they get there, the door is slightly ajar. Hmm. No, never a good sign. Yeah, no. Nancy Dream Book. No. Um, they knock a few times, but no answer. And so Nancy pushes the door open, and the apartment is in, like, a state. Um, like, tables overturned, like, lamps broken. Everything is crazy and disheveled. It looks like there's been some kind of struggle. Um, so question mark but but nicholas is nowhere in the apartment they call for him they look around he's nowhere so has nicholas been kidnapped is nicholas yeah. our second kidnap kidnapping victim here they start to wonder yeah 
Um, and at this exact moment, Joseph arrives at the apartment and they're like, Joseph, what are you doing yeah. here? And Nancy still has no clue. Um, and Joseph <laughs> is just like, oh, well, you know, I was at the theater this morning and all his fellow protesters were wondering where they where he was. We're kind of worried about him. So I just came over here to check on him, see if he was OK. Um, but then Joseph just starts acting a little weird, just a little <laughs> squirrely about this. And Nancy's still just like, huh, I wonder what could be going on with that. <laughs> Nancy, wake up. Um, but so then Joseph mutters under his breath, like, this wasn't supposed to happen. I never meant. And then it's just like a true, like, record scratch moment for Nancy. Mm-hmm. Like, what? If anything happens to that boy, I'll never forgive myself, blah, blah, blah. And like, what didn't you mean, Joseph? What are you talking about? Why are you responsible? And Joseph is like, uh, uh, never mind. And runs into Nicholas's bedroom and locks the door behind him. Bizarre. But Nancy is like, quick, George, get me my my lockpicking kit from my bag. (laughs) And so she picks the lock and opens the door, but it's too late. And Joseph has run out the window and down the fire escape. Hmm. Quite nimbly for a man of his age which they both remark upon someone who could have very easily scaled the catwalk as quickly and easily as he did, uh, or as someone did earlier. Mm. Finally, finally, Nancy starts to have a new hunch of who (gasps) their main suspect should be. I just, it's just so frustrating Mm -hmm. because, and I'm sorry, I cannot, I cannot move forward without saying this. Like he is always around Mm -hmm. Nancy. Why? Why, why is he not a suspect? It's just like she completely ignores him. And every single time when she talks about suspects, it's like everybody else who's there, but not Joseph. Also not Deirdre for some reason, but never Joseph. Even when we start getting like this old man situation, it's like, hmm, what old man do you know that has a connection to the theater? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe the old man who like literally is there every single time you go to the theater. Mm-hmm. who's literally still polishing the grass when you go in because he says he wants to make the place look nice for its demolition. Like, what is that about? <laughs> it's insane. He's got Come this on, weird Nancy. attachment to it. So instead of saying like, oh, it must be him. She's like, oh, it must be this guy I've never met before who lives outside <laughs> of town and who has not been to this theater in days or at all this week. Right. Whatever. Right. Uh, Nancy. Okay, Nancy. But anyway. yes, finally, finally, Nancy catches up to us. <laughs> um, so now we know this about Joseph. Um, and so Nancy is like, great. Like, okay, we like we really for sure know that it's him. So we have got to run over to Bart Anderson's office to beg him to postpone this demolition. Um, and so they run over there and the secretary is like, sorry, he's not in. And Nancy's like, what are you talking about? His car is literally in the parking lot. Like I see it's Mercedes, like he's in there, but the secretary mm-hmm. is firm. Um, and so they decide to wait outside in the parking lot to bombard him when he comes out. But, and he does eventually come out or come out actually very quickly, very luckily, but he's acting squirrely. He's acting suspicious. Um, and so instead of confronting him, they decide to follow him. 
So he takes off in his Mercedes and drives to this um, like portable office building, like one of the, like a portable. Uh, like what you sued at like a construction site or whatever. Right. So he goes into the office building and Nancy and George sneak around the back to peek into a window into the building. And who do they see, Corey? Nicholas Falcone. Nicholas Falcone tied up, tied to a chair. Um, and we see Bart basically like haranguing him in this chair, like, you know, I know you've got the girl. If you don't tear me, tell me where she is right now, I swear I'm going to kill you. Yikes. So, yeah, yikes. Nancy and George are like, this is our cue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They rush in, and Bart basically says that he was just trying to help. Like, he knows Nicholas has her, and he, he was just trying to find her in time. But Nancy and George are like, trying to find Bess by kidnapping someone else? You're insane. Um, and so Bart, like, slams the door and leaves the building. So Bess, or sorry, Bess, George and Nancy untie Nicholas, and Nicholas says, it seems like Bart is running scared, there's a lot of money pr probably writing on him being able to demolish this building today. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy assumes that Detective Ryan probably called him and said that there was going to be some kind of delay. So he got desperate and tried to find Bess as fast and as brutally as possible. I guess. Right. Interesting choice, <clears throat> but yeah. Mm -hmm. So Nancy talks to Nicholas and she asks him, hey, you know, really what's going on here? We don't have any time. Who are you protecting? And Nicholas says, I'm worried that it's my grandfather who is behind this. He says, because the kidnapper in the original call that he made to Joseph, the kidnapper called the theater the Royal Palladium. And that's something that only someone who had been at the theater in the old days would call it. And Nancy is like, oh, well, Joseph was also there in the old days. I saw a picture of him with your grandfather. I know they both, you know, have ties to that theater from the old days. And also, we only have Joseph's word that the kidnapper called at all. Like, right. nobody else heard that phone call. Nobody else knows anything about that. Also, he could have rigged the PA during the kidnapping as his alibi. So, like, we don't even really know that he was up in that projection booth at the time Bess had been kidnapped. Right. Yikes. For how much checking she does on where the suspects are and, like, figuring out their whereabouts, she does nothing no. to figure out where Joseph is at any point in time. No. No. She, like, completely ignores him, like, entirely as a suspect. It's wild. So it's at this point that Bart Anderson bursts back in. And I don't even really understand his rationalization for this. But he says he has moved the demolition up to 15 minutes from now. I think his thought process was he still thinks Nick is guilty or yeah. somehow associated. And so by moving it up, he's going to somehow force Nick to be like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you where she is. But Obviously, that's not the case. And Nancy's right. like, what have you done, you idiot? This is what's really going on. You have to get us back to the theater 
now. Mm -hmm. So they do, they, they speed back over there. They race back over all in his Mercedes, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> they don't take Nate's car. They take uh, Bart's Mercedes. Um, and he has a car phone. And so they're like calling, you know, the construction people or whatever, trying to reach them to say, you know, call off the demolition, call off the demolition or whatever, but nobody answers. They get to the theater. There is already a big wrecking ball, like, rigged up to about Ready to, to swing and they try to yell out to stop them but no one hears them and they let the wrecking ball loose and a wall of the theater just crumbles in front of them <sighs> nancy does have a quick thought as she's jumping out of the car she asks bart if he has a tape deck in his car and he does so she grabs a cassette so that she can she can bluff in a minute here. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, she says she's going to need it to convince Joseph of something. So they run, both Nicholas, George, and Nancy all run into the theater amidst other people's protests of like, no, 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 it's not safe. It's literally under demolition right now. <laughs> they uh, run in anyway. And they split up to try to find Joseph. So George goes one way, Nicholas goes the other, and Nancy goes straight into the auditorium. She says she has a feeling that he is going to be in there because it is the heart of the theater. Um, and Joseph would want to feel like he was there. This man is ready to go down with his ship. Yes. <sighs> Sinister. Oh, it's it's haunting. Um, so she goes into the auditorium and confronts him. Um, but he runs, basically he yeah. runs for it. And there's this massive chase scene. He disappears into the dressing room. She goes after him, but he's not there. She finds a secret panel to a set of stairs. She runs up the staircase, ends up just going outside the projection room. And he is like running towards the lobby. But luckily it's at this moment that George and Nicholas come up both on the other sets of stairs and they corner him backing him into the projection room where he runs and they follow and confront him yeah so this is where nancy <laughs> <laughs> she basically she pulls out this tape and is like joseph we know that you're responsible we know that you did this i have the proof that you rigged the pa to you know, to make it seem like you were in the projection room when you actually weren't. Right. And he glances to the side. And so Nancy clocks where he's looking and he's looking at where the actual tape of his recorded voice is. And she reaches over and she's like, shwink, like, now I have the proof that you mm -hmm. did this. Very yes. clever. Um, way to go, Nancy. Um, and we also, we're looking around the, projection room and we find the blueprints that were stolen from city hall as well. So we know that Joseph did that as well. So they're like, Joseph, you know, like you've got to come clean. We, uh, at this point, they were able to halt the demolition because Bart Anderson had stopped it because they had run in and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and they say, Joseph, the demolition is stopped. You need to tell us where Bess is. The police are going to be here. We are going to find her. You need to tell us. And so he tells them that Bess, he hid her in the ice depository of the theater, which is like this old structure that they used to put ice in to, for air conditioning to keep the building cool in the hot summer months, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's located right above the auditorium, but below 
the ceiling of the attic or whatever, or the floor of the attic. So it's just this little bitty crawl space between is what I understood. Yeah. Different from the game and how they show it, but they do bit. have it as a nice depository, which I did yeah. not realize until yeah. my most recent playthrough. Yeah, same, so. same. <laughs> um, so they find her. She is okay. Um, she is bound and gagged still, but they untie her and everything and take the gag out of her mouth. And Bess's like first words are like, what took you guys so long? <laughs> <laughs> Nancy starts crying, of course. She's so overcome with relief and, <laughs> I guess, just exhaustion from mm-hmm. the past few days. Um, this is what took you so long. Classic. <laughs> Classic best. Classic best. She's, like, dirty and dehydrated <laughs> and, like, really weak. And she's still, like, <laughs> they pull the gag out of her mouth. What took you so long? <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> well, it's also just so sweet that she has so much faith in Nancy that, like, she doesn't even understand, like, why, like, wh- why she didn't find her, like, day one. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, seriously, Nancy, why did I have to wait so long for you to get your crap together? Like, right. <laughs> so funny. Um, so the next scene is both Nancy and Bess in the hospital. Bess, because she is under their observation, they're making sure that she's okay and everything. And Nancy, because she's been checked back in by her <laughs> doctor because he's so pissed at her for having checked herself out earlier. Then he basically is like, you get back in the hospital bed. You're staying here another day just because I feel vindictive about this. Yes. So funny. But Carson arrives with some homemade cookies from Hannah. Very well soon, Basket. Thank you, Hannah, you angel. Mm-hmm. So they're talking a little bit, and we learn that Joseph has been arrested. He tells the police that he didn't even mean to kidnap Bess. He meant to originally kidnap Brady because, Corey, he thought that boys were, like, made of harder stuff than girls and wouldn't have, like, taken it so badly and, like, would have been fine throughout the kidnapping. So it's better to kidnap men? Oh, my God. Implying that it's fine to kidnap. It's just that we shouldn't kidnap women because they're weaker. And so Joseph had, (laughs) had, like told Bess this and so Bess felt like responsible for like putting on a brave face to like change his opinion of girls did you read that That this is not your responsibility (laughs) wild like truly wild framing of that Mm. sexist ideology Bess also says that she didn't even know that it was Joseph that he kept her blindfolded the whole time and so she didn't even know that he was her kidnapper until after you know, they rescued her and Nancy told her. Yeah. Carson tells them too, that the demolition has been canceled permanently. The building has been declared a historical landmark. Both Nicholas and all of the protesters were successful in achieving that. Um, And Bart also was arrested for kidnapping because Nicholas pressed charges. Hell yeah. He's the real villain in all this. Truly, truly. What a creep. What I mean, honestly, not even just a creep, like a true, like a psychopath right. for like basically trying to be responsible for killing a girl. Wild, wild yeah. stuff. Prioritizes profits over a life when really this building did not need to be demolished. It was better off left as this cultural landmark for the city. Well, but just like also like regardless of that, like irrespective of that, like he had a demolition scheduled in 30 days. He had a demo scheduled in 30 days. And it's only when the kidnapping happens that he moves it up to 72 hours and then moves it up again to like 15 minutes from now. You know, it's like, 
why on earth would you do that after a girl has been kidnapped in that building? It makes zero sense. Like you have to be a psychopath to do that. Like there, there's, there's no reason. There's no reason for that. Right. I don't care. You say that you're pissed at Nicholas Falcone. You want to put up the pressure on Nicholas or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. Let the police handle it. You have a demolition date scheduled. Like, just like, you know, try to be helpful and accommodating. You still own the building. You still have this demolition schedule. Things are going to happen the way you want them to happen. Eventually, just like, chill out. Like, what the heck? And if the building, yeah, if like you were saying, if the building does deserve to be made a historical landmark, then like find another freaking site for your crappy like movie multiplex or something. Like you have the money, like figure it out. Right. And again, it it takes a lot of permits and people to demolish a building. So to move it up twice on very short notice, yeah, takes a lot of effort. He had to try really hard to be this big of an asshole. Like, he could have just left it and been like, all right, it's going to happen in two hours anyway. No, let's move it up an hour and 45 minutes just to be a jerk. Let's inconvenience everybody just so that I can be the worst. What a ding dong. Yikes. So, yes, he's the true villain of this. And deserves to be in jail. So this is the real resolution of our <laughs> our book. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, but also, Brady and Deirdre show up with the flowers for Bess and Brady very immediately like it becomes very charming and he says like you know you're even prettier than I remember and Bess is like you remember me and Brady's like of course I remember you and actually would you like to go out with me sometime after (laughs) you get out of the hospital let's go to dinner Bess oh my (laughs) god Bess is dream come true, and eventually Brady and Deirdre leave, and Bess is like, well, he you know, kisses her on the cheek as well. Oh yeah, yeah, he kisses like her even better. <laughs> and Bess says, you know, it was almost worth it getting kidnapped just to meet Brady Armstrong. <laughs> oh, Bess, classic Bess. Oh, Bess. Wow. So thank goodness our girl is safe. I would have lost it if anything had happened to her. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I would have quit. I would quit Nancy Drew forever <laughs> if something happens to Bess Marvin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, guys, so good. Mm-hmm. So good. There was not a single moment of reading this book that I wasn't like chewing my fingernails, just frantically reading. The time crunch that they gave this book, like the 72-hour deadline, so effective. So effective. Mm -hmm. So good. Really raised the stakes. There is nothing like a timeline to raise the stakes. And it was very, it was very successful in this book. What a great one. Mm -hmm. What should we talk about first? Let's get into it. Well, there is a little fat shaming moment at the Mm. very, very end here. We might as well just address it now since we already addressed the, um, the pizza at the very beginning or uh, not the very beginning, but when they find the pizza box and George makes the crack about it. So yeah, they're talking about Carson and he brought Hannah's cookies and Bess is like, Oh yay. I'm, I'm so happy. I haven't had cookies in, in days. I feel like I haven't eaten cookies in, in years basically. And, Carson's like, oh, didn't Joseph feed you? And she goes, just the pizza. Um, He didn't want to leave the theater to go get groceries. So he just kept ordering more pizza. Nancy and George start laughing at this. Yeah. And then later when 
George or when Deirdre and Brady show up, they're like, hey, this looks like a party. Can we come in? And Nancy says, the more the merrier. But Bess wants to know if you brought pizza. Why do we have to do this to her? She was literally just kidnapped. This is one of the most traumatic things that can happen to you as a person. Imagine being blindfolded, gagged, and bound. You don't know who your kidnapper is. You don't know what they're going to do with you. You don't know what they want from you. You probably don't even really know where you are. You can assume you're still in the theater, but you don't know that. You don't know that. All you're eating is mushroom and pepperoni pizza. Of course, you... Of course you would say you don't ever want to eat pizza again. And they start making fun of her for this. Yeah. They start laughing and giggling about this. Of course she's not going to want to eat that ever again in her life because it reminds her of one of the most horrible things that has happened to her. Bess, you never have to look at another pizza if you don't want to. And you should, you don't deserve to be teased over it. It's, it's truly sick. And I just don't understand. I don't understand. I mean... Okay, I say this, but I do understand why they do this. I just disagree with it. I think it's awful. Like, I get that, like, this is Bess's character trait. And for whatever reason, we have to remark upon that in every single book. But it's just, it just feels so insidious because the way that they show it is that, like, not only is, are we supposed to read this as normal and, or like this kind of language as being normal and funny, it comes from her best friends comes from her supposed best friends, which is just like, what is that supposed to mean about how we look at ourselves and our own bodies? Like Mm -hmm. if I, if when I read these books, I see a lot of myself in best, right? Like I, I love food. (laughs) I, you know, I don't want to go into scary situations. You know, I care a lot about my friends and stuff. Like I feel closest to kin to best. So when people tear down best in this way and talk about Mm -hmm. best's weight and your best friends talk about it and, treat you like garbage for like you know flip-flopping about stuff like that means that like I need to treat myself that way and it's like no no what a crappy message to send to people who are reading this like what what just what a crappy thing to do to young girls and it's not just that they're they're doing this later on this is like what probably an hour after she's just been pulled out of this in the hospital she's in the hospital She's literally in the hospital and they're making fun of her. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's probably only those two instances because those are the only times when we actually, you know, deal with this in the book. Sure. If she were in it more, we'd probably see more of it. So, yeah, at the beginning, we can talk a little bit about the beginning. Let's see. George is like being rude to Bess as per usual. Bess is like dressed up to see Brady and George is like, you must have a whole can of moose on your head. Um, A hurricane Mm. couldn't budge your hairdo. It's the eighties. You're supposed to have a whole (laughs) can of hairspray on your head. Bess is like, she's nervous and like, she's like fiddling with her clothes and stuff. She's clearly self-conscious and George makes her feel worse about herself. And she just says, come on guys. Like I haven't seen Brady Armstrong since I was a chubby little freshman. Like I want to look good. And her friends are making her feel like crap for wanting to go see a movie star and look cute. Like, it's just, it's just so shitty. That's like amazing. Don't let them tell you what you can't well, wear. Well, and it's also like, it's freaking normal to yeah. like want to look nice and yeah. like be excited about seeing someone that you kind of had a crush on, kind of have a crush on and like want them to like think you're attractive. And st- that's so normal. Yeah. 
especially when you're going to a big event anyway. It's human, <laughs> it's human nature to desire that kind of like connection and stuff. And for them to be like, be making fun of her about it. It's like, I can't believe you care about this kind of stuff. Bess. It's like, I can't believe you're a human being. Bess. Obviously, clearly George and Nancy are not clearly. They're either like some demigods or like, just (laughs) like trash people. I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It's a really annoying. The almost the, the like poking fun at her for being boy crazy. I almost find more, irritating than the fat shaming the fat shaming is very problematic and i totally agree with that but something about the like picking at her for being boy crazy eats at my soul (laughs) george can never say another freaking word about the boy craziness after her cousin goes missing and then she spends her time getting mad at nancy for accusing a boy she might have a crush on or not even accusing but like rightfully looking into a, a very reasonable suspect and George gets mad at Nancy because, oh, I have a crush on him. Don't question him. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. What a hypocrite. Yeah, very hypocritical. That whole <sighs> romance plot was very unnecessary. Yeah. Because George should have had nothing else on her mind but finding Bess. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yeah. Just shows how little she cares about her. Honestly. She's, like spending her time flirting instead of looking for Bess. I don't understand how they play these two up as being like these really close cousins when literally the old like whenever we see them they're just arguing like they're just bickering and or not even really it's just george putting best down and best feeling crappy like that's what their relationship is it's not even bickering best is just defending herself yes yes (laughs) there was something that you were gonna say you said oh what were we talking about you said like we'll get to that and I was interested. Oh, it's in reference to the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. So I played it <laughs> last yes. night. I played it. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a great game. It's so nostalgic for me for obvious reasons, as I've mentioned. And yes, the art's beautiful. Mm. The plot is, I mean, there are some things that are added, some things that are changed, but largely it's the same story here. If you have not played it, then you you don't know this already, but they do change Bess to Maya. Uh, Bess is just a phone contact in the game. I have a few theories as to why that might be. Um, but Maya is one of their friends from like high school who's now a reporter for her college paper. And she wants to interview Brady for, for the story that she's writing for the paper. And when she goes into the dressing room, that's when she's kidnapped. So, right. Um, so yeah, same setup, just different kidnappy. We even have the same 72 hour deadline, but there is no Bart Anderson in this one. There's just some elusive owner who actually turns out to be Brady Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> but so they basically combine those characters, which I think is smart and makes a lot of sense. They do also add in a Harry Houdini side plot where it's not a former music hall. It used to be a place where magicians performed at this Royal Palladium Theater. So Harry Houdini was heart owner of the theater with Brady Armstrong's ancestor. J.J. Thompson. Yeah, J.J. Thompson, who he inherited it from. Yeah. Which they changed that name for no reason. But we do also have a few name changes as well for some of our Mm -hmm. other characters. Mm -hmm. Like... Simon Mueller becomes Simone Mueller. They turn her into a woman. And then Louis Falcone is Louisa Falcone. Yes. Yeah. So it's his grandma, not his grandpa. I love it. I love it <laughs> so much. I appreciate the gender swapping so, so much. And like, I, I totally, I remembered 
Simon to Simone, or I real I mm-hmm. you know when I read it, I realized that they had changed Simon to Simone, and I appreciated that. But when I replayed it last night, I remembered that the, that it was Louisa Falcone, and that yep. she was the one who was like the artisan who crafted the moldings for the theater and everything. I was like, yes, yes. Thank you, Her Interactive, giving us a few more girls mm-hmm. in this story. It was a very male-centered story. There were not a whole right. lot of women in it. Just Nancy, George, Bess, and Deirdre. Very briefly, Brenda and Hannah. Oh, yeah. Very, 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 briefly. very briefly, though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, all of our yeah. suspects were really men, and all of like the moving and shaking of the theater and the goings-on at the theater were all of the men in the story. Uh, this is also the first, I think it's the first game where we get a reference to Samantha Quick. It is, yes. This is where that originates. It's also where Punchy LaRue comes from yeah. because the voice actress that played Bess was named Punchy LaRue. Oh, uh, that, yeah, I didn't know that. It, it's not referenced in the game at all, but in the credits you'll see Punchy LaRue is the name of Bess's voice actress. So Amazing. she's only the voice actress for Bess for that one game, and then they do get another Bess actress, but... Yeah, Punch LaRue and Samantha Quick both make their comeback later on in the series. If you if you played the rest of the games, you already know that. Yeah, the Samantha Quick reference comes from Simone um, say talking to Nancy and saying that, hey, you know, like this girl power thing you've got going on is like really hot right now. Are you sure you don't want to be an actress? But we have to change your name. Nancy Drew sucks. I know. I've come up with one. Samantha Quick. <laughs> Oh, there is a moment in the game where, so the game is structured where it's like three different days and there are certain things that you have to do each day to trigger the next day starting. And I felt like this time, I don't know if I just didn't remember as much about what it was that I was supposed to be doing, but I felt like it was like dragging and I kept having to cycle around to talk to people to like trigger stuff to happen and it's kind of stereotypical yeah. of the older games anyway. But. Yeah, but I feel like when it came to, I recently replayed Ghost Dogs of Green Lake, and I mm-hmm. feel like when it came to that one, I knew exactly who I needed to talk to and what I needed to oh, do. Gotcha. So it just happened yeah. a lot quicker. But this one I just didn't remember as well, I guess. And so I felt my, I found myself having to go call Ned every time. Like every time being like, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Um, Because Ned in this one is the one who gives the hints. And so he would always like direct you to where you needed to go. And so I called him like five times a day or whatever. And I called him once and he answered the phone, Corey. And he said like, Ned, Ned Nickerson's pizzeria. Do you think that that's a reference to the book? With all the pizza? I don't know. I mean, know. they had the pizza in the game too, but it's either a reference to the pizza in the game, or it's a reference or... to the fact that Ned and Nancy have this creepy pizza aphrodisiac thing going on, where Nancy <gasps> That's definitely what it is. Yes! <laughs> Why did my mind not go there first? Why else would you answer the phone when your girlfriend calls, pretending to be a pizzeria, if it didn't turn her on? That's definitely what it is. Yeah, that's definitely what it is. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I wish I had written down exactly what it was he said because it was actually quite funny and clippy, but I was so like distracted by it that I was I was so shocked that I was just like, ah! 
had to like switch like the um, text before I could jot any notes down. But it was oh, like, okay. yeah, Ned pretending to be the owner of a pizzeria and Nancy like places an order at the pizzeria. And I'm like, oh, it's happening. That's hilarious. What is happening? <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to High Marks from Alice. <laughs> we will explain all. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. So fascinating stuff that's definitely what it is Mm -hmm. now that we've noticed this we're gonna see it in everything now i bet you so part of me does wonder too if this obsession with pizza comes from the slight setting of the book i don't know um because it definitely wasn't a thing in the mystery stories thank god um but in the files clearly like we clearly have a midwest setting we clearly are very near to chicago which is quite well known for its pizza. So, like, are we are we trying to like play up that Chicago FI art book? I, <laughs> I doubt it, but like maybe some of the authors, the ghostwriters for this, were from the Midwest. I don't know, but just just a thought. <laughs> anyway, so I think that there are a few ways that her interactive did try to make the game a little less sinister mm. than the book was, because it is a very sinister story. Obviously, this Nancy Drew Files series is intended for a young adult audience, so a little bit older than the game's general intended audience, which I believe is like eight and older, I want to say. So I think that they did have to make it a little less dark just because they didn't want a super, super dark game. I mean, there's a few ways, or I think there's a few ways in which they did that. One, moving it outside of River Heights. So we no Mm. longer have this villain that we know really well and essentially watched us grow up. Yeah. Two, we we put Maya in instead of Bess. Obviously, we still very much care about Maya, but it's not, it doesn't feel as high stakes because we don't know her and love her the way that we do Bess. It's a lot more upsetting to have someone that you know really well disappear where, We've never heard of Maya before. I don't think that she's actually a book character. I don't know that we meet her at any point. Um, Obviously, it's still very upsetting that she goes missing. (laughs) Um, And then the ending with Joseph. I think Mm. that they changed that in quite a few ways to make it less sinister. But in the process, I think they just end up being a little bit ageist toward Joseph. Mm. In the book, they find him in the auditorium and they have that chase scene. But then eventually they do say, Joseph, where is she? They pull out the blueprints, ask him to point to where she is on the blueprints. And he does. He fesses up to it. He's like, oh, Nancy, I'm sorry. I never meant for it to get this far. Um, I never tried to hurt you either with the projector screen falling. That wasn't meant to hurt you. I was really just trying to scare you. I was just trying to motivate you to, to get this done faster, essentially. But in the game, they kind of... Mm. They make him just be in denial, which almost like translates into him being senile. Mm. Like it just feels really ageist to me. Like they just, oh, he's old and he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks that this theater is going to be here standing open tomorrow. And he's like, oh, yeah, Nancy, I'm going to polish up this thing so that we can use it and wait until tomorrow and next week when we have this going on. And after that, we do also have the scene where Joseph comes back into the projection room and he's like, don't tell anyone, Nancy. We gotta, we gotta get this theater. Blah blah blah. So it just, it felt like they tried to make him less sinister, but in doing so, they just turned him into this character that just seems to not even know what's really going on, or mm. he's in denial. It just makes him like, oh, he's old, and that's why he did it. He's confused. Interesting. So that is yeah. not the um, impression. Well, I don't know if it's not the impression that I got, but that's not what the what I picked up 
when I was playing it. I okay. Well, honestly, I find the ending in the game much scarier, much more frightening than the ending in the book. And I don't know if it's just because it's more visual, um, or 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 what what that's about for me. But well, first of all, like I agree, I agree in what you said about them making it not best, and you know, moving it out of River Heights and everything. That makes a lot of sense. And even kind of the way they deal with the funeral wreath is different. Because in the books, we don't actually, it's, I don't think it's ever, it's not Simon who sent it. I think it literally is Joseph who sent it. It is Joseph because he he admits to it at the end. Right. He said, I didn't do that to scare you. I just did that to motivate you mm-hmm. to, you know, try to get this place declared a, a landmark faster. Yeah. But in the, in the PC game, it's um, Simone who sends it to try to like drum up press for it or whatever which i think makes more sense it makes it less scary right less threatening but yeah as far as the ending goes it was frightening to me one because like you see maya like locked in this very small space Mm -hmm. and you try to break it with the sledgehammer and it doesn't like you can't get in um and then yeah joseph shows up and he's like talking like the theater isn't going to get torn down or whatever and it's almost like that yeah it's definitely supposed to be portrayal that he's crazy um Mm -hmm. and you know not in his right mind and i can see how his age might contribute to that perception right but what was so frightening for that for me is like not like oh he's an old man like there was none of that feeling at all it was like Mm -hmm. oh he's unreasonable like we can't like reason with him like he like has no grounding in reality and so he could do anything and like it'll fit his like we're operating in different worlds you know right um and so that that was always so terrifying to me to like interact with him and be and him being like you know what do you think we're gonna do tomorrow or whatever and being like literally there's a wrecking ball outside like it's about to crash into the building and you're just acting like it's a regular day like that's the frightening part to me and that makes it more frightening not less frightening you know Oh, absolutely. I meant like his motivations are oh. less sinister. The, oh, yeah, the, game oh, is, oh. the game ending is absolutely more terrifying <laughs> than how it goes down in the book because they do stop the demolition, but it's like about to happen in the game. And they're like, look at the marquee because Nancy lights yeah. up the marquee so that she can alert people that she's inside. Look at the marquee. Stop the demolition. But um, yeah, sorry. I, to clarify, right, I just right. mean his motivations are a gotcha. little less sinister because he doesn't already know these girls since like middle school. He yeah. doesn't. He's not like, oh, I'm going to kill her. He's, he's more like, oh, I really genuinely believe that this theater is still going to be here tomorrow. So she's not in danger in mm-hmm. his mind, if that makes sense. Right, so right. No, it does. Yeah, that does. More sympathetic of a character, I think, to make him mm. quote unquote crazy or have like, you know, memory problems or something of that right. nature. Right. But, yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. It's <laughs> way more scary in the game when it's so high pressure, yeah. high stakes. Yeah. I love it. They do such a good job doing that. I I don't know how they manage it every time. And honestly, I found this. I don't know if it's just I'm more affected now that like we've been reading the books and I'm replaying some of the games or what. But I find myself so frightened sometimes when I'm playing these games. Like whenever at some point, like the voice comes over the PA in the theater or whatever. And it's like the distorted voice. And it's just it makes me jump out of my skin when it happens and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh. Quite a few good jump scares. Yeah, you're really good at that. 
<laughs> I do have one other thing. Yes. And this is not an official call forward or foreshadowing or anything, but I'm calling it that. I'm saying now today that this is official. Her Interactive probably did not intend for this, but I'm saying it works. So at the very end, after the letter with Bess and everything, they start showing the tabloids and the yes, news articles the of like what happened. Every- yes, did you see yes, this as well? I saw it, the Scarlet Hand. Oh, not the Scarlet Hand. That is on there. That is yeah. a little, uh, you know, reference to the next game, which is Secret of the Scarlet Hand. But there is a tabloid headline right below that that says, crime seems to follow Nancy Drew, dot, dot, oh, dot, yeah. coincidence. And I am saying right now it's canon. Brenda Carlton wrote that article. This is a <laughs> foreshadowing of Alibi and Ashes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. If you don't know that game, Brenda Carlton is a character in that game, and Nancy is accused of arson when she is called to this building, locked inside, and set on fire. And when she eventually escapes, everyone's like, oh, Nancy, why are you running away from the burning building? It must have been you that set it on fire. Um, and so Nancy has to clear her name, basically. And so I'm saying that this is a... Oh, my gosh. I'm calling it. Yeah, yes, that's <laughs> lovely. Yeah, I noticed that, too, but I didn't think about it in context of, like, future games and stuff. Yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, Because Brenda's not in the game at all. She's no. She doesn't make an appearance in the games until that, which I think is, like, game number 25 or something. Yeah, it's a later one. So 20 games later from this one. So she's not referenced at all, but I'm saying now she wrote that article. <laughs> Speaking it into the world. So that everybody yes. knows. Yes. yes. It fits. It fits. I mean. I just love Brenda Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> I love her as a recurring character. I love her as a yeah. villain. I love it. 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 Okay. Should we should we yes. score it? Okay. Big Do you reveal. know what my score is gonna be, Corey? I have, I have suspicion. Five out of five flashlights. <laughs> Corey, this is definitely a high flashlight. <laughs> this is the best Nancy Drew file that we read. Oh yeah, it's, it's so the good. best one. It's, it's so good. It's better than Shockwaves, which is not technically a Nancy Drew file, but it's right. better than that. It's better than Stay Tuned for Danger, which I think is like the other highly rated one that we mm-hmm. have. We rated uh, what else? High marks from Alice. We gave a four yeah. and a half or a five as well, I believe. Yeah, this is better than High Marks from Alice. Oh, if I could give so this six flashlights i would give it six six out of five <laughs> flashlights is what i would score the final scene so good this is a historic moment our first ever over <laughs> five score good job the final scene and whoever your ghostwriter was excellent yeah no honestly like if you were gonna pick and choose like if you don't have time to read all the names of your files which who does we don't right. even if you do if you want to read any of the names of your files you have to read this one it's so good. It hits all of the highlights, all of the hallmarks. We get some special appearances by some important characters. We see Carson. We see Brenda Carlton. Um, Ned Anna. is not in it. <laughs> so good because he is not important and relevant. <laughs> and you get Bess and George. It's just, it takes place in River Heights, which is my mothership, you know? So like <laughs> six out of five flashlights. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yes, I'll also... I was going to say five, but yes, we'll stick with six here. <laughs> yes, go read this one. And then when you're done, go play the game so that you can get all the beautiful visuals that they do with the artwork. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Do we want to say what our next episode is going to be or should we let it be a surprise? Because I'm kind of in favor of leaving it being a surprise. We can let it be a surprise. Okay. So I'll say that it's going to be a special episode. Episode number 20. Very exciting. Um, and it's not going to be a book. Nope. And that's all you get to know for now. 
Well, you know, if some of you are canny, you might be able to guess what it is that we will be talking about. I know we may have posted something about it on Instagram at one point or another. Um, okay. So you, I did. Oh, okay. Okay. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Um, no, you so, didn't. I, I remember now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so you, you might have seen that, but if you haven't, then you might be in the dark. I don't know, but you'll have That's to fine. wait and see what our special episode 20 is going to be about. So we'll see you then. See you then, regular Drews. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $1 level receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks for listening. <laughs>